Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, and I am joined here by my wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great, and glad to hear you're doing well. Yes, we're all doing well. Just so everybody know, I mean, I got over the COVID. Yay! So um, that's all good. Still have a little bit of lingering stuff, but I'm crazy anyway, so I can't tell if it's that or COVID. I'm not really sure. But want to remind everybody that... Yeah, you don't know either. want to remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And please don't forget about our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, PW Starred Review with Jeffrey Deaver, along with John Lasquois, Heather Graham, Reese Bowen, uh, Hank Philip P. Ryan, Shannon Kirk, so many other great authors. So make sure you check out Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, that anthology. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be speaking here with uh, author Susan Willett. And she is going to be talking about her latest book called The Wayward Spy. It is first in a new series. It's a, I believe it's her debut book, if I'm right. It comes out here on March the, um, March the 2nd. So when you hear this interview, you'll be able to pick up that book. So without any further ado, you ready, Jeff? Yes, I'm excited. This will be fun. All right. Let's get into it. So, Susan, we want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm looking forward to talking to you. And I'm very excited that I got your name right. Jeff thought I would not, <laughs> but I did. Um, and am I right that this is your debut thriller book and also the first in a series? That's correct. It's my first book that I've written, and there will be, I would say, at least two more in this series. Nice. So we'll get into your background a little bit, but let's get into the book, The Wayward Spy. So tell us a little bit about what you got going on here. So The Wayward Spy is about uh, a woman named Maggie Jenkins, who is a former CIA analyst, and she is working on Capitol Hill for the House Intelligence Committee. It takes place in 2003, and her fiancé, who is a CIA operations officer, is killed overseas, and in the aftermath of this of his death, there are insinuations that maybe he was selling intelligence to some bad guys. So this kind of sends Maggie into a tailspin, and she doesn't know what is true and what is not, and she sets off to find out what the truth is. Um, And in the process, um, she encounters al-Qaeda operatives, um, multiple Americans with questionable loyalties, lots of shady characters, including people from the Russian Mafia, uh, and then also some Chechen terrorists, a little group that's led by a woman named Zara who becomes the main antagonist um, in the story. So she sets off to Tbilisi, Georgia, which is where her fiancé was murdered, and things take off from there and get extremely messy, very dangerous, and... um, in the process of trying to uncover the truth about the death of her fiancé, she stumbles across a uh, terrorist plot against the United States, and she is the only one who can stop it. Why did you set the novel in 2003 and not make it contemporary? Great question. So I started writing it in 2001, um, and I so it, it was actually contemporary at the time. It's been a very long journey. Um, <laughs> oh, and <you're> not. <laughs> the what happened was, you know, a lot of the events in the story at the time 
you know, they were based on true events, um, particularly in Russia and Chechnya and even the Republic of Georgia. So then the second book, which I know we're not here to talk about, but there are some historical events. We'll talk about anything now. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about anything. Don't be worried about that. (laughs) I could probably shift the timeline on The Wayward Spy, but the second book, I I can't. There are some historical events that Mm. it it would be, you know, it just wouldn't work. So, yeah, I wrote this way back in 2001, and it's been a very long journey to publication date, but it's finally here. So, um, but, you know, not much has changed. I think um, Vladimir Putin was the president back then of Russia. So here we are, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's sad that not much has changed. Um, but the thing about when you, like you said, so you wrote this back in 2003, and now you're talking 18 years later that the book mm-hmm. is now kind of coming out. How many times did you kind of work it and work it and work it and work it before you finally kind of, you know, was it in the drawer? Did you kind of bring it out? How, how, was the, how did that kind of work out? Uh, pretty much everything you can think of. It was, um, there were several close calls to publication um, where, our, you know, I had an agent and she was all excited and surprisingly didn't, and I was such a rookie, didn't ask me to change a thing in the story and just started sending it out to publishers. And I later found out that that's not really... Uh, you know, a first-time author, any author, needs a, a developmental edit at some point on their book. So I think that's probably why it didn't sell. Um, so then I quit for a while and, you know, took my ball and went home and said, well, darn it all, I'm, I guess I won't be published. <laughs> and so then I decided, all right, let's write a second book. So I did that. Um, and that sort of sat around in a drawer. I'd enter contests. I'd do, I'd go to writing conferences, I'd quit for a couple more years, I'd raise my kids, I'd work, and then things started moving again in about 2015. I went to a writer's conference and I met some people who um, were really pushing me to uh, Which one did you go to, this like story. Um, oh gosh, right off the top. It was, it was at UCLA um, and it was... Um, oh, you're in my part of the world. Yeah, I, I flew out to California from the East Coast. Um, it, was, it was kind of a specialty niche group, and it was actually run by a, some people who do um, film. But uh, the Calliope Workshop is, I know that's not the name of the conference I went to, but it, it was more of a workshop than a conference. Okay. Um, and I met some people who were really um, kind of gung-ho on the book, and they sort of um, pushed me for a couple of years to let one of them, who is a freelance editor, read the book. And once she read it, she said, You've, you, you can't sit on this anymore. It, it needs to be published. And so we worked together, and she actually helped me get my agent, and um, the rest is history. And then I got signed with the publisher. And now Maggie Jen- Jenkins is now out for the world to see. So let's get into her. Why... Talk a little bit about her creation and why she was the perfect person to be the lead for your series. Sure. So I, Maggie and I have a lot in common, um, although I'm considerably older than she is now. She didn't age, and I did. Um, <laughs> when 2000, characters love to do that in books. They just stay the same age. I think Bart Simpson's in the same great. age, went the same grade for 24 years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Same, He's same a terrible concept. student, though. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I worked for the CIA for a time as an, as an intelligence analyst, just like Maggie, and then I went to Capitol Hill and worked for the House Intelligence Committee, just like Maggie. So um, our office, without giving away any national secrets, um, is up in the attic of the U.S. Capitol, and most people don't even realize there's an attic. So it's sort of tucked away in this secretive little place that, you know, very few tourists could possibly stumble on it happens every once in a while they get turned around but um, so I was working up there and it was a fantastic job lots of excitement you know lots of classified information and interesting trips overseas and briefings and all that good stuff but part of my job was um, doing budgets for certain intelligence agencies so they would the president would submit intelligence budgets to Congress and then the, the staff on the intelligence committee would have to kind of go through, they call it marking up. And it, it was really tedious <laughs> for the most part. So uh, that's when my mind would wander. And um, I sort of lost my idealism working on Capitol Hill, go figure. Um, and there were just, you know, I saw some congressmen that I thought, wow, hmm, I wonder how they got, how did they get into office and, um, you know, and then realize the only We're way they ever... still wondering that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it has, again, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> it's only gotten worse. <laughs> right. yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought, well, the only way that any of these people would probably lose their position would be if they were embroiled in a massive scandal. And so when I'd be doing these budgets and my mind would wander, I just, I just started thinking of how massive would a scandal have to be? And um, from that, Maggie kind of popped to mind. I mean, we were about the same age, and, you know, it was a little fantasy in my head of, you know, taking down some powerful people <laughs> in, a, in a fictional world. And um, that's, that's where it came from. I love that. Um, because you're writing about what you used to do for them, in a sense, I've heard stories about you have to sort of run things by the CIA and all those other things if you're writing about them. Did you have to do that in this case? I did. Um, I think it, it can be more problematic for writers when they're doing nonfiction, especially if it's about intelligence matters. But I still had to run the book past the Publications Review Board. and. Um, you know, they gave me the go-ahead. There were a couple of little things that were not classified because I wouldn't do that, but it, it could potentially make adversaries wonder, you know, right. well, what, what can the CIA do? Can they really do this? Um, but it all passed muster, and I, I certainly could have pushed the envelope a little bit more, but I, I didn't want to be that person. Gotcha. That, that makes sense, yeah. Um, so I'm a little more. I'm still curious about your publishing journey. Um, how did you end up at uh, the press that you're at now? So I, like I said, I went to this conference in 2015. I was um, gently harassed for a couple of years um, by this freelance editor. Her name's Elaine Ash. She's fabulous, and um, she helped me get my agent, Steve Hudson, at WordWise Media, 
and he started shopping the book around. And um, I, I believe Steve had met Helga Shear, who is the um, lead editor at Campat Books, which is my publisher, and we submitted the book and they, they accepted it. So Camcat is fantastic. I mean, this is obviously my first experience with a publisher. And it's a smaller publisher, um, which I kind of love because I, the input that I get and the communication, I mean, it's, I haven't met any of these people, but it's like I've known them for years. And it's just such a great team to work for. So uh, they've, I think they've been in business for maybe a year and a half, um, but they just published their first book in June. Last okay, June. nice. So you're like ground floor in. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm, I'm the first. I'm the first political espionage thriller. Um, they they had a crime thriller as their first book, um, okay. which was a great read. So, did you ever oh, go to Thriller Fest? You know, I was going to go. Gosh, I think it was. Well, I could. I I planned to go last year or yeah. 2020, <laughs> but that didn't work out <laughs> for any of us. Um, and I was going to go in 2019, and I'm trying to remember why I didn't. So you have not. I probably been to didn't one have yet. enough. I have not. I probably didn't have enough vacation time left, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, because I'm sitting here and I'm wondering because I was wondering if I had met you before because there was a woman that worked in the government that was looking to write, and I one of our authors introduced her to me, and I didn't know if that was you or not, and it just the story kind of sounded familiar, and that's why I was wondering if if I had met you before, but it would have been a thriller fest. So yeah, there is there is another author that I've read, Karen Cleveland, who um, wrote Need to Know, and she has a second book that I also read. I can't remember the name of it, but um, she's former CIA as well. Okay. Um, so, but her book, gosh, I think it, I think her first one came out in 2019. So okay, yeah. So maybe it was so. Her. So I know that this is kind of a, I'm sure you might get this question a lot. I always get a little confused, and I don't know if other people get confused. It might just be me, which totally could be the case. But It's you. I'm, okay. But I've always tried to wonder, when does the CIA get involved compared to the FBI? Can you talk a little okay. bit about that? Sure. So anything that happens um, domestically should be the FBI's responsibility. So they, you know, in the Cold War and even now, they have counterintelligence units that monitor what, you know, the, the Russians or the Chinese, the Iranians or whoever might be up to inside of the United States. At the same time, however, the CIA has a um, group, it used to be called, um, well, I remember the acronym, NR, it was National Resources. I think it's called something else now. And what they can do, that this is the only time they can legally operate in the United States, um, is they can talk to foreign nationals in the United States who plan to be returning to their home countries. So they can approach, uh, you know, like, I don't know, Chinese students of interest, um, delegations that come to the UN, that sort of thing. So the CIA can do that, um, but that's the only thing they're supposed to do. So like if you watch Homeland, if you watched that years ago, the CIA, the CIA was doing all kinds of stuff. I'm like, you can't do that. But 
Who knows? Maybe they do. I don't. I don't the know. Because you mentioned the term. Because you mentioned the term legally. Yes. So basically, so basically, the CIA cannot. If, I'm just going to see if I can put this in a nutshell in my head in the attic. So the CIA basically can't do anything to an American citizen in the in the in the states. That's basically the FBI, right? But if it's a Correct. foreign national that's not a citizen and they think something's going on, then they can get involved. Yes, and I think, I, well, I think, you know, the FBI would try to assert itself in that case since it's on U.S. soil. They do that on every active, TV show, don't they? Every time the yeah. FBI shows up, it's like, yeah, we're taking this now. There's always, you see it on Law & Order all the time, and they're always trying to fight with, like, the New York City cops, and the FBI's like, yeah, we'll take it now. And they're like, no, Jack, you know, they're always fighting. And I always yeah, think that, I know, like... I, and I've always wondered, why do you fight? Who gives a shit who catches the person? Just catch the person. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes it's about the glory. If you get the big spy or, you know, then... You know, I guess, I guess But so. again, they, they, they can't really publicize that anyway. So, right. like, in the story, um, there is... I have one of my characters go up to New York City and... Um, he goes to the National Resources office that they had up there, um, and they still have, um, and just talks to them about what they know, if, if, they, if they have contacts in the Russian mafia, that sort of thing. And so it's, it's kind of tiptoeing up to the line where, you know, the FBI might know more, but they won't necessarily share it with the CIA. And part of the reason Heaven for that, forbid, though, no, you know, shares on I know. <laughs> is that the FBI approaches everything from a law enforcement perspective um, and a prosecution mindset, whereas the CIA is more likely to want to develop an asset and run them for a long, long time and collect all kinds of information uh, from the foreign asset. The CIA is looking, or I'm sorry, the FBI is looking to prosecute. So um, okay. That's, a, that's another difference. Now, overseas, that really is mainly the CIA's um, purview. Uh, the FBI would get involved if they were looking to extradite. Um, I believe they were involved and, and you know, they, they had to work with the CIA um, when I think it was, was it Ramsey Youssef? Uh, he, was, he was the guy that I believe he was either behind the shooting outside the CIA back in the 90s or the first World Trade Center bombing. I'm not, I can't quite remember, but I think it was a joint effort to capture him. And um, I believe we, we found him in the Philippines, something. Okay. Um, so kind of like an so Edward yeah, I mean, Snowden thing? Like the FBI could get involved in that since he would be extradited back? If that, I mean, it's not going to happen, but would that kind of be a similar example? I think so. I think okay. the FBI would, would definitely try to take the lead on that. And I'm sure the CIA would want to talk to him. <laughs> so, but again, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these novels, when you're dealing with CIA stuff, you get a lot of the special ops stuff that have more headshots than the photography studio. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering, you know, the, a lot of those are all action and no real um, realism to them. How did you balance your action with the realism? Um, I, you know, they always say, write what you know. Uh, and I was never an operations officer. I'm, you know, I have 
a firearms identification card I can carry in Virginia, that sort of thing, but I'm certainly not proficient with, you know, multiple different types of weapons, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I didn't feel qualified to, you know, make Maggie be this outstanding, you know, get herself out of every situation by blowing some guy's head off from a gun she happens to find behind the couch kind of thing. So, gotcha. um, you know, and I... I've taken self-defense, but I'm not a martial artist, so I also didn't feel comfortable writing, you know, putting, making her into, you know, some kung fu diva. So, right. um, yeah, so she relies, she's an analyst. She relies on her wits and her intellect. That. And, um, you know, there's, no, there's never really a magic bullet. And even if, no pun intended, um, even if she does have a weapon, <laughs> she's not, you know, it's not necessarily going to save the day for her. That's refreshing. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, I do. See, I love it when the, I love it when characters have to use their brain more than just, you know, their brawn, because I think that a writer and an author can get caught into that, you know, pigeonhole, I guess you want to say, where your character can kind of get out of any kind of situation. But with Maggie, you know, she's going to have to, you'd be more MacGyver-esque instead of, you know, uh, more, I guess you want to say, Rambo-esque in order mm-hmm. to, you know, survive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean... Is, I, and that's intriguing. And that, that had to have been a challenge for you to kind of write a character like that? Um, it, yes and no. I mean, I, I... Okay, at the risk of embarrassing myself, I'm the kind of person who will go into a building or a restaurant and make sure that I can see the exits. I have no reason to do this other than it's just sort of how I think, like where's the next threat coming from? <laughs> so um, I kind of already had that mindset where, you know, I, I overanalyze a lot of things. And so Maggie does too, and it serves her well. Um, she's always suspicious, I think, of, you know, every every potential bad guy she runs across, She she's already always questioning them every which way possible, you know, to figure out what the motive is. Can I trust this person? And she goes on her gut. I mean, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, and there would have been times that it would have been nice for her to shoot her way out of the situation. But I didn't let her. So. Okay. Um, so I'm curious. Um, a lot of authors, if they have a novel that they've written and they actually take it out and it doesn't succeed initially, mm-hmm. they would try something completely different, and yet you decided to continue and create a series. So I'm wondering what motivated you to do this as a series? Um, I like Maggie. I like some of the people in the first book are, are in the second book. I, I just couldn't think of another character at that point that I would want as my protagonist. And um, I, no spoilers, but there are some some bad guys who make it into the second book, um, and it just flowed naturally. So, you know, when I think of, I, I don't have a third book in mind yet in terms of what will happen the next year after or two years after for Maggie. And if I guess if I come up dry there, then I will conceive of an, of an entirely new character. Um, 
and situation. There's so, there's so much. There's just so much that I could write. <laughs> there's about. a lot. Welcome to welcome to the world of writing, where it's just <laughs> as crazy as the world of intelligence. <laughs> exactly. There is so yes. much going on. So there's a lot going on. A lot going on. So. I guess you want to say, so Susan Wallet is the best place for everyone to find out about you, SusanWallet.com, and that's O-U-E-L-L-E-T-T-E, so it doesn't look the way it sounds, and .com. So, uh, again, I'm going to say it again, O-U-E-L-L-E-T-T-E.com is how you spell your last name, Susan Wallet. Is that the best place for everyone to find out about you? Sure. I'm, I'm also on Twitter uh, as... Mo Books, those are my initials, S-M-O Books. Um, I'm on Instagram as Susan O Books. I'm on Goodreads, and, you know, once my Amazon page is, it's there. It's just not, it's nothing's there. happening because, yeah, the book comes out uh, Tuesday. Which social media platform do you kind of, you know, hang out on the most? Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Instagram has been, it's been painful for me because I'm not really a visual uh, you know, I'm a writer, so I like right. Facebook, and I do have an author page on Facebook too. So, and there's links, uh, and, and for everybody, there are links on the site. You can go and follow uh, follow you on Facebook and Twitter, and you have all the links on there, so that's good. And absolutely. and your blog is that something that you do on a regular basis? I have started to finally. Um, it, I've heard other authors say a blog what what do I write about on a blog you know we can Anything write a 300 page book exactly we can write a 300 what do you page take a picture a of on Instagram you're just not taking a picture of your book every day um <laughs> no let's see I just thought of something though but wouldn't that be cool if every day you took a picture of the page so somebody would have to go to your Instagram every day to read the entire book Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> it would take them 300, but hey, you know. Yeah, you're like, here's page one, page two, coming tomorrow. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah. Oh. So your blog, and I see that, you know, you just posted one today, actually, um, when we're doing this interview on February 24th. So it looks like, uh, and, and you've got a couple different kind of topics and things on there. So it's really interesting. Um, and we want to thank you so much for coming on because it's been great to talk to you and find out. I mean, we could have talked for another hour just about, you know, your background and all the other fun stuff that I'm sure that you have uh, some really great stories that, you know, you can be like, you know, just uh, this happened to a friend of mine um, kind <laughs> of stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, so everybody, the book is called The Wayward Spy, and it comes out on March the 2nd, so it will be available. Is it coming out on audio, or is it just Kindle and print? It is coming out on audio, but as I understand, it's delayed um, because okay. of COVID. It's being recorded in an L.A. studio, so it's a few weeks behind, but it's coming. So Kindle and print is the version will be out on March the 2nd. Correct. Gotcha. Well, Susan, again, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and your book, The Wayward Spy. We wish you nothing but the best. Congratulations on the deal after so many years. See, persistence pays off, people. Just keep going, and eventually, if you write a great book, you will get there. So you have a great night, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It's been fun. All thank right. you. <laughs>